and welcome to Bark Bomb. We're back for our second week. Thanks for joining us. Um, my name is Millie Gibson. We are here to give you the latest news on what's been going on at the university and in Bath this week. Um, I have two lovely co-hosts too. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. I am uh, Glenn. Great to be here, Millie. Um, and we're also with... Lucy. I hope that was the crowd welcoming us in. So coming up this week, we have some much awaited news about no detriment policies and what's going on with exams this year. So Glenn will explain all of that for us. Then there's also been quite a bit going on this week about COVID um, and the end of lockdown. So I can give you those updates. And then Lucy has a great story for us from the LGBT plus group, all about the UK's Gender Recognition Act. And we have a few lighter, um, fun and silly stories to throw in. Revealing no detriment policies for this term, the university announced that exams could be deferred and deadline extensions given without evidence, while the time to submit an individual mitigating circumstance request, an IMC, has been extended. Um, measures will not be applied to students universally, as they were last term, uh, but will require individual students to apply for the support uh, with further details to come uh, from each university department or faculty. Uh, the announcement explained that a blanket approach was not deemed necessary this year, uh, as teaching and assessment has been, in quotes, uh, designed to respond to the impact of, the co of COVID-19 and its challenges through the Bath Blend digital examinations, um, and flexibility of teaching and learning. Bit of an interesting approach. Um, this one, guys, we've heard different things from different students. Um, some people are happy that there's any support at all. Others just aren't convinced um, by uh, this policy. They don't think it will give them, it doesn't give them the reassurance that they needed. Um, I think a lot of that is down to the kind of tumultuous semester we've had with the bath blend. It's kind of been up and down by department. We have particular issues there with the school of management. But again, on the other hand, and I think I'm in this category myself as well. A lot of people are quite relieved by this and it will offer them a lot of support. Uh, those little deadlines here and there and knowing that those IMCs will be more flexible um, does give people a little bit of reassurance. So, yeah, what do you guys think? I am really happy that they have continued the no detriment policy this term. Um, exams being online, I assume that means that we won't have like de uh, departmental 48 hour exams, which we had last semester in my department, which is POLIS. I really did like the 48 hour exams and I know that it does not um, simulate a, a real exam condition because, you know, you can essentially just do it open book. Um, I just found that it was so much more uh, reassuring knowing that we had a lot of support from the university given the uh, quite turbulent time we've had and I think that the same applies to this term while we haven't you know all had to pack up our bags and go home uh, during the middle of the semester we have been in and out of uh, isolation if especially first years we have had another lockdown and so I do think that um, there has been an impact on learning because while the uh, the university has adapted like student mental health can't adapt to 
you know, the sort of surprises and challenges that COVID brings. Yeah, I think what you said, Glenn, about different departments really is the story of the term for me. Um, like Lucy, I'm in Polis and I've actually been really impressed and really enjoyed my IPT. Um, and I'm aware that st teaching staff are working incredibly hard. Like, for example, this this week I have a seminar that typically would be taught once for an hour and the lecturer is teaching it three times over different formats to different groups. Um, yeah, personally, I've had a great experience, but I know that that's seems to be an exception maybe or towards the better end of the spectrum. Um, so, yeah, I think reactions are varied, like you said, although I think the most common one that I've had, at least people just seem grateful for what we have here. Um, yeah, I don't think people were expecting a safety net in the same way that we saw last semester. Um, so yeah, from people I've chatted to, they seem pretty pleased on the whole about the more flexible extensions um, and taking, yeah, just being aware that everyone's having a very different experience, like Lucy said, of what is a challenging semester. Um, that is to say, of course, exams will be really strange again and we don't know what they're going to be. Um, I know Lucy was talking about 48 hour ones. I think at the time of recording, um, the exam timetable is due to come out this week, I think. So maybe tomorrow. Um, the, time so... the exam timetable has been published. Really? Maybe this, is, maybe this is breaking news for us as well. Are we ready to break another story? Um, <laughs> the exam timetable has been published for everyone. It is live um, on the university website. Um, for my department, I have only looked at my exams. It seems that they are 24 hours long, obviously delivered over the platform in Spira. Um, which did face some controversy um, over being um, kind of you can apply a quite invasive um, technology invasive to, to kind of information privacy on your computer um, and it also takes over your, your camera and, and applies facial recognition software. Um, those, those features are not being used by the university but that software is being used to deliver these 24-hour exams. Um, so yeah. I would advise you guys uh, go and check out your exams timetable. I'm going to pop you a link in the chat now to our team's recording. Um, but for everyone on the podcast, have a little Google on the um, Bath website and you will find it. How do you feel, Lucy? 24 hours, does that, does that serve it for you? You know what? 24 hours I can deal with. We can work with that. I mean, I, I, I was one of those people last semester who did actually take up maybe the entire 48 hours for my exams. I am ashamed to say. I would spend so long writing them, so long editing them to try and make sure they were perfect. So I was worried about not doing well. So I think that 24 hours might actually be quite a good thing because at least it means that I'm not just wasting away my time, like mindlessly editing things. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And, and I think just, just looping back to this story of um, no detriment policies, uh, the caveat at the end of every single university announcement is that this will be applied differently by different departments in different schools. Uh, and and that seems to have such a drastic effect um, to the point that, I mean, when we were looking at the, the IPT announcement back in summer, um, that seemed to be so concrete and, and so confirmative and, and everything was going to be great and, and this IPT was going to be wonderful. But it was applied differently by different departments and, and, and this, well, the School of Management. Um, and that was that was where it fundamentally went wrong. Um, it's where we understand that the university is quite a disjointed organisation um, made up of four of those different faculties. 
um, that, that interpret these blanket policies in, in wildly different ways. Um, so, you know, we will have like radically different experiences um, depending on which faculty we're in, um, you know, as to what this policy means. And, and I guess we'll have to take things from there. Um, uh, that kind of just disjointedness um, makes sense. The university, I'm sure, would argue in, in, in plenty of ways it does in that, you know, the, the content that I'm learning as a management student is, is very different from what my flatmate learns as a, as a math student and what um, people in engineering and, and at sports and, and other degrees learn um, as well. But quite fundamentally, as we've seen this semester, that, that creates room for like massive, massive errors um, and kind of, um, well, yeah, things to just go wrong or for, for departments to get a little bit lazy. Um, and that's very much my view. But we had the skill of management trying to say that IPT was defined as in-person time and it was never meant to be teaching. So at the start of that, we had a, you know, we had a, a PhD student um, teaching us how to flick ourselves on and off mute on, on Teams and Zoom, which seemed ridiculous. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's hope that, that this no detriment policy will be fairly, um, you know, universally applied um, and supported by the different schools. Time will tell. OK, so I have a bit of a funny story from something that actually happened to me today. It is a bit disgusting. So if you're squeamish, I would recommend um, turning down the volume slightly. So I was out my daily walk with a friend and we decided to go over to the Crescent because it was really nice. It was such a nice evening and it was just for the summer setting. Um, so with both of us being the socially distanced and alert students that we are, uh, she was walking on the road and I was on the pavement to make sure that we were two metres apart. And suddenly we both started screaming and people all over the street who were, you know, just going about their daily business just looked over at us to see what was wrong. Because by the side of the road, just next to the pavement, was a huge hairy rat and it was just staring up at us. And it was really sad because the rat wasn't moving. And so we, we thought it was injured, but it didn't it didn't move, which was why we were so scared. And it was just like breathing really heavily, <laughs> staring up at us with its really beady eyes. We were screaming for ages. Anyway, we carried on walking up the road. And then we saw another rat in like the exact same spot right next to the pavement. And honestly, I nearly stepped on it. And it gave me the fright of my life. And again, it just sat there staring at me. So my advice for the week is steer clear of the Crescent before Christmas because there is some sort of rat issue going on over there. Grim. <laughs> interesting you mentioned that, Lucy, because uh, my interesting story this week, we've got more on rats to come. Um, so sorry, everyone, looking for some, some cheery news. But um, yeah, anyway, that's awful. It's put me off the Crescent for a while and it was kind of the only nice walk that I was going on love it or loathe it I think we all loathe it to be honest there have been quite a number of COVID updates this week so I will try to give you a summary of what you need to know just today as we're recording on Thursday we've had confirmation about what's happening when this lockdown in England ends on the 3rd of December we're going back to the tiered approach which is very Bake Off-esque with Bath in tier two so not that it makes a huge amount of difference to students because as we chatted about last week the recommended student travel window starts immediately after the end of lockdown but in case you're here for a few days or for those of us who are staying in Bath over the holiday period under tier two it means that all shops and the gyms will reopen 
you can meet with other households outside so for a walk or similar as Lucy recommended. Restaurants and bars will open again but you can only visit with your household so it's a somewhat limited return to normality. We've also been keeping an eye on the coronavirus case statistics as recorded by the university for you. So they've been publishing these every day for the past few months and in the past week I've definitely noticed a drop in cases. At the time of recording the current rolling average of new daily cases over the past week is 3.86 for students and 0.14 for staff. In recent weeks we've been seeing stats around the 15 or 20 new cases every day mark and it's peaked at around 30 so the fact that this week it's looking like zero cases, two cases the next day, three the next day, zero cases, five cases. It's definitely a step in the right direction um, and goes to show that lockdown is having the desired effect I think. It'll be interesting to see too where these figures go in the next week or so because of course the uni's asymptomatic mass testing gets up and running next week from the 30th of November. These are the free tests we were talking about last week and which we can all book onto now online. Um, they're happening at the Edge on campus and in Oldfield Park so people can know their COVID status before travelling home if they are travelling for the holidays. I'll keep an eye out for you on the, the statistics which you can find actually if you just google University of Bath coronavirus cases they publish them every day so you can keep an eye out just as I am. Um, it'll be interesting to see because obviously the whole point is that they pick up asymptomatic cases that we'd otherwise have no idea about. Um, my guess would be they'll be quite low to start with um, as are the symptomatic tests because we've all been inside we haven't really had much chance to pick anything up but we will see um, maybe they'll start to tick up a bit as lockdown lifts but I'll keep an eye out for you and obviously hope for everyone's case that they are negative so people can travel easily and confidently as they leave Bath. Have either of you booked your test yet? I have. Um, I've booked mine for next Thursday, literally the minute that the email came around saying that we could go and book. I booked straight away. Um, I just knew that uh, because I'm travelling back on Saturday, that I want to get tested as soon as possible and then just isolate and stay um, away from anyone to try and reduce my risk of uh, bringing it back home. But yeah, I'm really, really pleased that the university has managed to do the mass testing because I remember that we were um, worried that it might not happen or slightly sceptical. Um, so yeah, I'm so pleased that um, we're going to be able to do this and hopefully protect ourselves and our families. I think you've done well to get one for those days, Lucy. When I last checked, it seemed, at least for um, tests in Oldfield, the Friday date was completely booked out, which I guess is because lots of people like you are trying to leave on the Saturday. So yeah, as people are listening, if you want to get one, get on it quickly, I think, because there are, there are lots of tests available, but um, popular times, I imagine, will get up. I have yet to book my test. Um, I don't know when I'm going home um, and I haven't got much more insight than that but I am also very grateful that we've, we've kind of got the opportunity. Um, ever the cynic I would say that it's the best of a bad situation and had this not been put in place they'd be screwing us and our families over a little bit. Um, so yeah I'm, I'm glad it's happening but also don't think we should ever have been asked to come back to Bath in the first place or the university cities for the students but anyway someone's got to play that role and today it was going to be me. Like you say best of the bad situation 
I do I'm going to focus on the best like a few weeks ago we we didn't think this was going to happen um so for it to have been turned around so quickly I'm very impressed by um and it seems to have kind of come out of nowhere worth bearing in mind this is a government thing rather than university thing but obviously the university are kind of managing the running of it in Bath yeah I think a good outcome um and if any listeners would like to share their experiences or thoughts with us we'd be keen to hear about your asymptomatic testing thrilling stories many many thrilling stories that will come out of that I'm sure hopefully happy ones rather than sad by the time of those tests I'm not too sure but uh we'll we'll find out um so just in case you were toying with the idea um of staying in Bath past that travel window uh, I have a story that uh might have you packing your bags tonight and heading for the hills uh Somerset Live is again providing a valuable public service uh, in announcing the Bath rat population has boomed to almost 200,000. Uh, so a pest control company revealed that the surge has been driven by the vermin breeding in quiet, in quiet urban areas through lockdown, uh, causing the city to now have a rat population uh, more than double its human one. Uh, so not very nice news that. Lots of rats. Um, <laughs> As with every Somerset Live article, I took the deep dive, I took the plunge and I went straight to the comment section uh, and I was actually surprised to find this time that none of the readers uh, felt a need to blame that on students. Um, although, let's face it, um, we're probably not helping the situation um, as much as we are hindering it. Um, one commenter um, did feel the need uh, to take a jive at local government though, um, saying that the surprise is uh, that not all of these rats are councillors. Ooh! Ooh. <laughs> so there we are with that one. I think that's going to be that today was the last of my constitutional walks, lockdown walks. Honestly, I'm not surprised. The two rats that I saw today just were so awful. So yes, I can officially say that when lockdown finishes next week, I will not be walking anywhere. I'll be going straight to the gym and getting on the treadmill instead, far away from any rats. Oh, <laughs> I don't think that even this story isn't enough to push me to the gym. Um, but I have got one just before we move on. One quick um, vermin story before uh, we move on to something else valuable and interesting. Um, I brought a friend um, from my placement company um, to visit in Bath. Um, walking around town she was very impressed by the architecture and the history of the town and everything else um, and we're having a nice walk after we'd, we'd just had our lunch and um, there was this massive fat seagull uh, and I swear it must have had like a five foot wingspan like it was huge hideous aggressive thing kind of like neck and a bagel but like <laughs> not like in a normal way if there is such a thing that a seagull could do but like it was as if it was eating the bagel like a snake and it was hideous picture that image listeners um tune in next week it's like a david attenborough section to <laughs> <laughs> i don't yeah i don't think there's lots of reasons why i shouldn't be david attenborough and i've now created another five um, <laughs> Another exciting thing that's been going on at the university this week was that on the 23rd of November, the University of Bath's LGBT plus society held a virtual talk about the government's plans to reform the UK's Gender Recognition Act. So currently the requirements for a gender rec uh, recognised certificate are seen as highly intrusive. Applicants need to have a medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria or of a similar condition, two years of living in their quote unquote acquired gender, and if the individual is married, then they need their spouse's consent. 
Um, in the virtual talk, uh, Damine from Mermaids UK, a charity that works with transgender people, gave examples of some of the forms that trans people want to see be put in place. Uh, she said that applicants should be able to self-determine rather than having to provide medical diagnosis in order to apply for the GRA. That those above the age of 16 should be able to self-determine as well, because currently it is only adults. And the charity is also in favour of lowering, lowering any fees to pay for the GRA, the removal of the spousal veto, and lastly, recognition of non-binary people within the GRA, as there is currently no legal recognition for those living outside of the gender binary. The whole purpose of the reform is to make the GRA more accessible to trans people across the UK. What do you guys think about it? First of all, thanks so much for sharing this, Lucy, because this is really important stuff and great that it's happening within the university community and sharing you know education about what what's a really important law it sounds like um yeah I don't think I've seen enough of this on mainstream news coverage so thanks very much for including it yeah fascinating stuff and I think yeah nice result to, to kind of understand um what trans people go through and the kind of regular regulatory kind of barriers to them uh you know being able to themselves you know even if it, it's in a legal sense which might seem kind of abstract um i think one thing that i, I really noticed in your story lucy was you know how, how important that it, that is um to people and and when you think about it, it obviously makes a lot of sense you don't want to be legally someone that you that you aren't um yeah i would just say that the talk was really really amazing and it just showed how um hidden so many struggles that transgender and non-binary people go through are yeah it really highlighted the pain and I think a lot of the trauma that people go through uh simply trying to have their their gender change on their birth certificate so yeah really really worthwhile and if you'd like to go and check out the article then it's on the Bath Time News website. It seems we've saved all of our more positive stories for second half of the podcast today um I have one which the three of us at least have been very much into it is a £2.5 million mansion on the market, if anyone has some spare cash, on Bloomfield Road, which is uh, between the Oval and Odd Down. Um, if you Google Somerset Live Bloomfield Road mansion, you should find it. Um, and I'd highly recommend because the photos are amazing. It's 10 bedrooms, 11 bathrooms, all the space you could possibly want quite bougie for a student house um I would think and I was positively surprised some parts of it are definitely dated in the decoration but not as much as I as I would have expected for me highlights are the kitchen very modern spacious as you would expect um and there's a this this amazing photo of like a peacock mural on the wall um do you guys have any favorites for your prospective home I think it's wonderful and this is going to be a very um, traditional male comment. Um, I just like the stripy lawn. I think that looks up like that's a work of art. That's magical. They've got so many chairs around the garden, which when I thought about it at first, didn't make any sense. There's like, I'm counting them now, there's two, four, six different seating areas in one garden. It looks a bit of a mess, but when you think about it, rationally, as the sun moves through the day, if you've got that much money, you're not working you need to sit in the sun all day long and you just move around those chairs. Makes perfect sense. These guys who had this house had it sussed and I want to be in there. Yeah, it's well designed for social distancing, isn't it? In the garden, you can get hundreds yeah. of people in there. 
still at two meters distance maybe not hundreds but <laughs> plenty <laughs> yeah maybe a good 10 yeah yeah I think it's so nice as well honestly I just I just love all the houses in Bath so often I'll just after doing my online lectures I'll go out for a nice walk and admire all the beautiful architecture and sometimes I do find myself like peering into like the front gardens to see all the pretty statues that they have yeah it's so gorgeous and just going on websites and being able to find places like this reminds me of how lucky we are to be here. Not quite my student house but lucky to be near these houses. Uh, <laughs> no, unless unless you're doing summer, I'm not Lucy but um, yeah it would be nice to have uh, nice to spend a year there if anyone would like to sponsor the podcast to the sum of 2.5 million dollars pounds <laughs> right America um, please feel free and uh, you'll have a very glamorous recording next time. Or we might just pack it in. Is that all? I've got loads more comments. I could talk about this all day, but I don't want to keep talking. I love the porch and all the greenery outside the front door. I think that's incredible. <laughs> Looks like something straight out of a rom-com. Um, it's just magical. You wouldn't need to pay for a wedding. You could get married at your house. Um, there you can rationalise a little bit of the money. Um, the kitchen's great. As you said, Millie, perfect review. Um, they've even got a nice toaster there. Um, living room, I, I'm assuming, I think I'm looking at two separate living rooms here because why not? Um, but in, in need of some some new carpets. And you need to have a little bit of a dated sofa, like a little bit of a, a more older fashioned sofa. That was awful grammar. Um, but those sofas, that's not it. They need that side right out. Um, I'd have a couple of big armchairs in there as well. Um, and a whiskey cabinet if you've got a house like that on it um, four poster bed brilliant why not um, doesn't look massive though go a little bit bigger um, and that's it that's all I've got to say well I feel like I've had the, the real life tour brilliant I'm, I'm glad to provide these services to our many many listeners yeah I'd recommend having a look at the photos great photos you can have a gander bit of escapism on your November days in Bath Hello, thanks for making it to the end of this week's Bath Bomb. I hope you've enjoyed our company, whatever you're up to. As always, if you have any thoughts or reactions to this week's news or the episode, please do get in touch with us via Bath Time on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or you could send us an email at su-media-officer at bath.ac.uk. And if you hear of anything going on that you think we should chat about next week, then please do let us know. We're very friendly people, I promise. Equally, if our ramblings sound like fun and you'd like to get involved with student media, then we would really love to have you. And we're always open to new members, whatever your interests are. So speak soon and have a lovely week. Bye.